Welcome to the Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Hey, it's wonderful to see you, and I want to begin tonight with a greeting uh, to those of you watching online. Uh, I met someone this morning, check this out, who had come up to London from Bournemouth, where they live. Does anyone live in Bournemouth here? But not, obviously not like here, here, but if you're from Bournemouth. Is anyone from Bournemouth, like originally? John Geach, are you from Bournemouth? Get in, I love that. So good. Well, this lady and her friend had come from Bournemouth and they watched all the way online through lockdown, like our YouTube channel. So they said they were here this morning, they're going back to Bournemouth. So shout out to you guys. I wonder if we could all just turn around and like wave at the camera at the back and like give them a bit of noise. Give some love. That was like a really lame... They feel very loved in Bournemouth right now. Um, and if we've not yet met, my name is Al. I'm uh, the uh, kind of uh, vicary type thing. Rector is what it's called. I've forgotten that for a moment. But um, uh, here, and um, it's a real joy to have you. If you're new, if you're new to church or you're visiting, and we're really, um, we really hope you feel at home. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about what we are kind of living through and experiencing a little bit in church at the moment, because it's a bit different to like, normal church um, and there's probably a bunch of us who are like what's going on why are there people like worshiping for ages what seems to be happening um, others might be like hey you know this is great my friend is here and they're getting like they're meeting with the Lord but I'm just like I'd love that but what's going on how do I experience that am I bad have I done something wrong did I watch too much Netflix growing up or whatever or you might be that's a joke by the way um, or, or you might be like actually I really really feel like God has met with me in the last few weeks and something new is happening in my life spiritually um, and I wonder if you're in that third category just encourage me I'm not speaking to myself tonight um, just raise a hand if you sense God has been doing something new in you in the last few weeks just raise a hand okay that's encouraging that's good um, and if you're not if your hand is not raised but you're like I love that then let me tell you Jesus is the same for that person he's for, the, for you he loves you he wants to meet with you tonight and my job really as a pastor is to encourage you guys. I'm not here to um, impress you, as you can see. I'm not here to uh, woo you or wow you or anything like that. I'm just here to point you to Jesus. And my job, in fact, is to watch for signs of God at work and point to where God is at work. In fact, uh, when I got ordained, St. Paul's Cathedral, class of 2012, Olympic year, uh, you kneel down before the, the big dome, in the big dome before the bishop in the, in the middle of the cathedral, and the bishop lays his hands on you and he prays for you. And at the time, um, he said this during the service, the ordinal, it's called, the service of ordination. And it's an old service, goes back right the way through the Catholic church, right the way back to the early church. And one of the things they pray during the ordination of um, new vicars is one of the statements they say is, be expectant and watchful for signs of God's presence as he reveals his kingdom among us. And they pray for you and you say, yep, I'll do that, I will. You take up a vow before God. So I'm here as a man un under holy orders. And I've made a vow before God in St. Paul's Cathedral in June 2012 to be expectant and watchful for signs of God's presence as he reveals his kingdom among us. And over the past six weeks, I've walked around scratching my head and asking myself the question, like, what is going on? You know, if I've maybe come up to you, a bunch of you I've come up to you, I'm like, what do you think is going on? I don't know what's going on. But what I do know is that a whole bunch of people are meeting with God in a new way. And it's good. 
And the reason I, I, I know that is because um, at the end of the day, it's really easy to get hyped up. It's really easy to like go to a conference or download a new like split playlist on Spotify or like um, maybe you've got like an eccentric Christian friend or you listen to some podcast and you're like, wow, this is the thing. None of that matters. What matters is, is there fruit in your life that looks more like Jesus? That's the stuff that you test. Is it a sign of actually God at work? And what does Jesus do? Well, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, faithfulness, gentleness. If you're seeing more of that in your life, if you're falling more in love with Jesus, if he's healing you and bringing hope and freeing you, then that is a sign that God is at work. And so I've been walking around the last few weeks with this kind of scratching my head, trying to work out like, what are you up to, God? What's going on here? What are we seeing? What's the fruit of what you're growing? And some of you will will have been on this journey of the last few weeks. Um, You'll know that like six weeks ago, uh, Steve Opie, who leads the Leighton location, and I headed out to Asbury, where we'd heard this rumor that there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I went all the way to Asbury, spent a week there under this outpouring of the power and presence of God. And it was absolutely, honestly, it wrecked me. I was, um, I'm never going to get over what I saw. I saw the beginnings of what it looks like when God pours out his presence in a remarkable way. And we haven't seen this for years and years and years. And I went there and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I wept all the way home on the plane. Literally a 12-hour flight, two connecting flights. We flew out of Lexington into Chicago, out of Chicago, all the way across the Atlantic. And all the way on both of those plane journeys, I was just weeping and weeping and weeping. The lady, uh, the, the air stewardess kept bringing me more pretzels, like American Airlines. They're super nice. Like, honey, are you okay? I think she thought Steve and I had had a breakup because like I, I was sitting next to Steve and he was like looking the other way like, this is really awkward and I was just weeping out the window and every time she came over and she like gave me pretzels I'd be like <laughs> because I just want to be back in the presence of God I was like grieving this sense of oh I just want to be with Jesus I just want to be with him and then I got back and I walked to the church on Sunday morning if I'm really honest with you I was like oh no I'm just like I want to be back in the Hughes Auditorium in Asbury and I came to church and I sat in the front row and I sat down And I closed my eyes and I looked around me in my heart and I was like, wow, God, you're here too. You're moving here too. In fact, you were always here. It's just my heart got so hard I'd stopped noticing you. And in the weeks since then as a church, we've just begun to experience God in the most wonderful ways. Not of it particularly glamorous or exciting. No one's levitated or like, you know, got wings or, you know, anything like that. Just people just meeting with Jesus. And let me tell you some of the stories this, this deep sense of the gentle presence of God. Like, you know, we can't stop the worship. Like, it, it's not just because the band love playing. They ran out of songs like half an hour ago. It's because people are meeting with Jesus. And we close the services and we say, hey guys, time to go home. You've all got jobs to do. Well, you know, some of you got jobs to do. Some of you are freelancing. Some of you are studying. Some of you are like, you know, I don't know what you do, but you, you're very busy on a Monday morning. I'm like, please go home and do your thing because you've got to be up early, you've got laundry to do, but no one leaves. And we're here till like 10 or 11 some nights and just continue to meet with God. And then this holiness, people are getting their hearts right, meeting with God. Relationally, not just vertically, people meeting with God in each other's relationships, like repenting of stuff, getting stuff right, fixing relationships. 
we've begun to see radical generosity like we hadn't seen before. People are just giving extraordinarily generously. That's a sign of hearts on fire. We've begun to see like, I don't know, God like turning up the spiritual temperature. There was one day a couple of weeks ago, I was telling our team, like I, I walked around Hackney and twice in the same day, literally people came up to me on the streets which the Bible would describe as like demoniacs, people with like classic demonic sort of possession, like really like not the kind of stuff that you train about at theological college. There's no manual for this stuff. People walked up to me literally on the streets and were like starting to like call me out as a priest. I was like, you have no idea. Like cool. Like, and I was like, oh, I'm going to pray for this. I've, I've been around here six years. I've never seen that stuff happening. That's a sign that the presence of God is on the move. And it's not like there's a, like a big banner out the front saying, you know, God is on the move. It's just he's doing it. People committing their lives to Christ. In the last few weeks, we've seen more people come to faith than we have in the previous six years. That's amazing. It's a sign that God is at work. And it's good. It's fruit that will last into eternity. And then healings, physical healings, emotional healings. And what I feel is it's like this heart that God has for you. The heart that he has for this generation, just, it's like the dam is bursting. You know, he can't hold it in anymore. He's watched you through the mental health crisis we've lived through, through the pandemic, through what you're going through right now, the anxiety around your future, around bills, around the cost of living, around what you're called to do, who you're called to be, and whether you know him or not. Let me tell you, God's heart is furiously jealous for you and your affection and your future. And there comes a point with God, and it happens throughout history, where he doesn't sit on the sidelines anymore. The dam begins to burst. And I'm saying this for the church, because if you've been part of church for a while, maybe you're like a, a Charlie church. You know, you're kind of good at religion. You know all the chords to the songs. You know the moves to make. Let me tell you, this is a moment you need to take notice of what the Spirit of God is doing, because what got you here isn't going to get you there. And maybe you're here, and this is all very new to you, and the pandemic was rough, and you're like, I don't know what the future's going to look like for me, but you know God is calling you back. Let me tell you, God is calling you in this moment to jump in to what he's doing. You don't have to sit on the sidelines and let the professional Christians do it. It belongs to you. The kingdom of God belongs to you. And everywhere I look, we keep seeing stories of hope. We had a PCC meeting. That's a parish church council. It is as glamorous as it sounds. And the parish church councils, the Church of England, aren't particularly exciting meetings. They're kind of like... You know, we go through like the finances and like the planning permission needed to move the phone box at the end of the drive. Literally, that was one of the things. And we look at like a whole bunch of like statutory stuff, like safeguarding. We make sure all the kind of I's are, are dotted and the T's are crossed and everything is in good order. But we went around and we fed back on Thursday night. And honestly, probably 20 people in the room, we went around the room and one by one, people just said stories of what they experienced in the last few weeks. Nothing like radically... Um, you know, like hype. It was just like people. One guy said, you know, I, I, I I've been coming to church here for a long time. So my, my wife's been coming along because of me, really. And, and, and a couple of weeks ago, she gave her life to Jesus, like all in. And she's completely transformed. And then, you know, my, my sister's been coming along on Alpha as well. And she's completely transformed. She's just fallen in love. I can't hold her back now. I used to be the church girl in my family. Now my wife and my sister are dragging me to church. And one by one, we went around the room and it was extraordinary hearing these stories of people's lives being impacted in a gentle, wonderful way by Jesus. So expectant and watchful 
the question I want to ask us tonight is how do we, um, how do we walk in this season well? How do we position ourselves as individuals and as, as a church community that we might walk in this season in such a way that it's not like a, you know, I don't know, I'm going to try and use a dating analogy here because I have not dated anyone but my wife in 25 years, okay? I'm 45 years old. We fell in love when we were 18 or 19 years old. And like my dating career is very, very monogamous. Let me put it that way, okay? But let me tell you this. I imagine if you are like, I don't know, I'm not going to ask anyone who's single to give a testimony here, but like, let's, let's say you're single and you go out on a date. Maybe somebody says, hey, come on a date with me. Uh, or, or I don't know, we use like an app, right, these days. Like, uh, but let's say you go on a date with someone and, and you have a great date and then you never call them again. That's a bad thing, right? Girls, is that a bad thing? Guys, if you, this is a judgment moment. If, if anyone's done that here, maybe a prophetic word. The point is, a relationship isn't something that's like a one-off thing. When you begin to fall more in love with Jesus, it's not something that happens once on a Sunday and then you walk away from it for the rest of your life. God wants you to be in relationship with him that goes deeper and you fall more in love with him over the whole of your lifetime. Let me tell you this, I am more in love with my wife now, 25 years into being married to her, than I was when we first got married. And the reason for that is we've been through a lot and we've chosen to commit and be faithful to one another. And I wonder for some of us here tonight, that's what God might be calling us to do in this season, is learn to walk in such a way that we begin to grow deep roots in Jesus, that grow much fruit in our lives to come. That's what I wonder if this season might be about. So how do we walk in this season? How do you and I make the most of what God seems to be doing, whether it's spring rains falling from heaven or it's just a move of the Spirit that is happening all over the world? How do we not like ignore it or miss it? Well, here are three things that we find in the prophet Joel. And I want to go to Joel chapter 2, and I'm going to read to you from verses 12 to 18. And if we can get this up on the, on the screen, that'd be great. So Joel chapter 2, verse 12 says this, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings from the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. The, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're so Anglican, guys. I love it. That was a joke, by the way. It's not like a, it's a tough crowd tonight, tough crowd. <laughs> so how do we walk in this new season? First thing is I believe God would call you and I to learn to walk 
in repentance. To learn to walk in repentance. Your hands up who's repented when they first became a Christian, right? It's not a trick question. Like, you can't become a Christian without repenting. Like, if that's news to you, we need to have a chat, right? Like, when you become a Christian, you give your life to Jesus at the cross. That's it. Your sins taken by him. His righteousness given to you. Eternal life given to you. Your destiny transformed through that moment of repentance and surrender. But here's the thing. That moment is not one-off. It is an ongoing way of living that you're going to walk in the rest of your days if you're going to really see God transform your whole life. God is calling us to recover that sense that we are called to walk in repentance, to rend our hearts, as Joel says, not our garments. How many of us, like, we, we look the part, but we miss the heart? How many of us, like, rend our garments? It's like a phrase for, like, I look like a really together person. I, I look like I'm doing the right moves. I'm rending my garments. No, rend your heart, God is saying. Walk in such a way that you advance through your days on your knees and see what God does. Even now, declares the Lord, verse 12, return to me with all your heart. You come back. Maybe you've been a Christian, you grew up a Christian, and you've walked as a Christian, you've gone on Alpha, you're in a connect group, but you're not, he doesn't have all your heart. Maybe he's got like your Sunday heart, or the 10% of your heart, or like the bit of your heart when you're with other people from church, when you're with your mates on a Friday night, you have a different bit of your heart. Now God wants all of you or nothing. He's not going to compartmentalize. He wants the whole of your life. And I want to say to you today, if you are new to this whole idea, if this is all news to you, it's like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever been to. My friend dragged me on the church. They sang for an hour. Everyone was like crying. And then there's some guy talking at the front about rending your heart, not your garments. What on earth have I got myself into? Let me explain to you this. This is what God is like. He is gracious and compassionate and abounding in love. In other words, it's loving kindness that leads you to repentance. God loves you. He loves you. He's passionate about you. He died for you. But more than that, he wants you to experience his love tonight. You're not on your own. You're loved. You're known. You're needed. You're forgiven. You're free. He's got a plan for you. So tonight, I want to encourage you to come again to the cross. Maybe you're watching this online and this is all new to you, but let me encourage you tonight. Come and experience the love of God for yourself. Maybe you're here and, and like you're a Christian, you've been walking with him, but you're hanging on to some stuff. Maybe like it's become quite familiar, like I'm good, but I've got this issue. You know, I'm, a, I'm all in with Jesus, but I hold on to this pain. It's become comfortable for me. It's like that stone in the shoe that you can't be bothered to get rid of. Maybe for some of us it's unforgiveness. Maybe you're holding on to that pain, that brokenness, that situation in your life, you've got somebody you need to forgive, but you don't want to let it go because it gives you kind of friction and traction. It's exciting to have that experience in your life. Maybe you're here tonight and tonight is the moment you've got to lay down at the foot of Jesus, the foot of the cross, that unforgiveness that you carry. Because let me tell you this, nothing repels the presence of God like unforgiveness. It's like Gore-Tex to the Holy Spirit. If you hold on to unforgiveness and you wrap your heart in it, he's never going to be able to really reach the deepest part of you. And I know from personal experience how hard this can be. 
like letting go. I've been through some really messed up situations in my life growing up. And if I'm really honest with you, I have to keep coming back and forgiving and choosing to let go. But let me tell you, every time I do, I experience deeper and deeper freedom. So maybe you're here tonight and you need to experience that deep surrender and repentance. Maybe it applies to your life. Let me encourage you, don't leave tonight without having given that over at the foot of the cross. Rend your heart, not your garments. Let God make you new. And I've watched how over the past few weeks, God has flown like a river into our relationships. It's like each week the river gets deeper. And I'm watching as people get themselves right with each other. I've had more conversations with people about like, are you okay with me? Are we okay? Is our relationship good in the last few weeks than I have in years? And that's a hallmark that the Lord wants his church to walk in forgiveness. So can I encourage you, like if there's someone in the room or in the church or in your life, your flatmates, your family, that you need to forgive, forgive them. It's as easy as that. But it's also really hard. You can't do it on your own. You need Jesus to do it. The point is this, repentance is the doorway to the second thing we see, which is renewal. What I see in this moment is God leading people to repentance. And that leads people to a season of renewal, of literally making you, of, of consecration, of setting apart. Verse 15, it says this, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast, let the bridegroom leave his room and let the bride her chamber, leave her chamber. That's an analogy that God uses all the way through the Bible of the bridegroom, Jesus, and the bride, the church. In other words, God is saying, now is the moment to meet with Jesus. Let the church shake off the dust. So come and consecrate yourself. You know, I'm noticing a new awe and reverence. It's like people aren't messing around. They're not just singing songs anymore. They're going in. My friend, Nikki Brown, who leads worship here is, an amazing guy. He's been around for a while and he's seen a few things and he's led worship in stadiums and with small groups. And he said, man, I'm not going to try and do his accent. He's like hackney through and through. He's like, man, we are really going in. We are really going in. And I love that. God is doing something new in our hearts as a confidence as we come into his presence. People are taking seriously the call to purity in these days. And let me encourage you, the stuff in your life that you're hiding, if you switch your phone to the like dark mode, the hidden browser, if there's things that you're, you're, you're nervous about, if you told the person next to you, deal with them tonight. Don't leave them in your life. Maybe it's drug use. Maybe it's cocaine. That's your kick. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's promiscuity to make yourself feel valued and loved. Whatever it is, Jesus wants you to give it up and let him in. If there's stuff that you know is wrong, don't walk out of here thinking, well, I'll put it in the pending tray. Put it in the out tray of your life tonight. Get rid of it. Don't hang around with that stuff. It's going to ruin your life. 
Instead, God wants to fill you with his love and his power. He wants to literally renew you tonight, set you apart. And when you do that, man, I'm going to tell you, we're going to go in. We're going to see God do extraordinary things. The bridegroom has left his room. The spirit and the bride are saying, come. God is doing a new thing. Repentance leads to renewal. And that's what we're beginning to see. This hunger for more of Jesus. Hunger for holiness. A hunger to get right in our lives. And then finally, repentance leads to renewal. And this is what I feel God is getting us ready for. And I haven't talked about this before. And I use this word extremely, extremely carefully. I honestly believe with my whole heart that God is getting his people ready for revival. Now, that's to say, I don't mean it's going to be like now. I don't know when it's going to be. That's up to God. We may never see it. We might sow for another generation to reap. But let me tell you this. I've read the Bible and I've read the history of the church and I've seen through the last 2,000 years what God does. And let me tell you this. When the tide is furthest out at its lowest ebb, that's when the ocean begins to turn. That's when the power of God begins to come. And let me encourage you. You know, we are at a moment that is unparalleled in our history. We have been through successive generations that haven't walked with Jesus for about 100 years now, to the point at which the last great awakening, great revival that happened here in the UK was in the Hebrides in the post-war years. We haven't seen a move of God in this country for a very long time. Now less than half of this country consider themselves Christians. 0.8% of people in Hackney attend church on a regular basis. We are ripe for God to move in power because God never leaves himself without a witness. And honestly, I've been here for six, nearly seven years now. I feel this in my bones in a way that I haven't for years. I've seen God begin to do it and I know he's getting people ready for it in this place, in this season. So I want us to learn to contend for revival. That's not a kind of statement I say lightly. It's not hype. I'm not saying, hey, we're going to see revival. I'm saying that if we pray, if we humble ourselves, God will come and heal our land. That's the promise of God in Chronicles. In Joel, it says this, that the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. When I read that, I was like, wow, that's what's been happening here. I mean, look, let's take a poll. Hands up in the last six weeks if you shed a tear somewhere between the front door of church and the front of church. Just raise a hand. Okay, that's not just me saying it. Like people are weeping at the front of church. They're weeping in the back row during the worship. Let the priests, that's you guys, priesthood of all believers, who minister before the Lord, weep between the portico and the altar. Then it says, Lord, spare your people. Don't make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should people say among the peoples, where is their God? You know, there's a particular cry of the heart that is irresistible to God. It's the prayer of a child crying out to their parent that no parent on earth can deny. And a heavenly father certainly can't deny. When you begin to cry out to God for revival, God cannot fail to be moved. 
There is an urgency to this that I want you to get tonight. There is an urgency to contending in prayer. It's grabbing hold of the promises of God and not letting God go until he's been faithful to his word. And when we do that, let me tell you, God is bound by every single word he's committed himself to in Scripture to rend the heavens, break open the roof of this place until he comes with great power. And let me tell you, he'll use one or two people. It doesn't need to be 200 of us. He can use you and the friends sitting next to you getting up and praying with all your heart. And God will do it. And this is what Joel says. He says, Lord, why should people say, where is their God? He literally holds God to his promises. And then it says in verse 18, then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. Spurgeon, the great preacher, says this, get hold of a promise of God and you may pray with great boldness for the Lord will not run back from his own word. I wonder what God might be speaking to you about for your family, for your brother, your sister, for your flatmates, your friends, for your work, for people you love. Find a promise that God has said and hang on to it before God and test him. Say, Lord, confirm your word with your presence on this situation. And I believe that God is calling us as a church to wreck ourselves on our knees in contending prayer for revival in the years ahead. Let me tell you this, it's not gonna be a fad. It's not gonna be something we do overnight. It's not gonna be something we do for like a season, like a sermon series, and then go back to like business as normal. Let's bake cakes and wait till Jesus comes back. We are all in for seeing God rend the heavens. And I don't mind if it's just me and like three other people. Until Jesus comes back, I'm gonna get on my knees and pray like crazy until we see God move in Hackney. Amen? It could just be me, by the way. It's fine, it's fine. Some of you may know that um, a couple of, uh, well, 10 days ago, we gathered on Monday night to pray with a couple of other churches KXC and Imprint. And um, it started because Pete Hughes is a great friend. Um, Pete Hughes and I kind of, um, well, Pete leads KXC and, and um, I lead this community. And we were at Asbury together as it happened. We both kind of jumped on a plane and went together. And we were praying for one another at the front of, of that auditorium, just like, Lord, would you send a revival to Pete's church? I was like praying, God, start with KXC. And people saying, no, Lord, start with Saint. And we're having this like pray off, like get him, God. And then on the, on the way back, a couple of days later, I called Pete up and said, how are you? Are you okay? How's the jet lag? What's going on in your church? He was like, I've been thinking. We were chatting. And um, I'm going to let Pete pick up the story, actually, because this is one of the most remarkable um, prophetic words I think we've ever seen as a church community. Now, you, you may not know this. This community, um, uh, this is a word that was given in 2016. Uh, it was the, the month that Liv and I started here at Saint. And at the, the, the time, this building was basically a ruin. The, the, the roof was leaking. Uh, there were cracks all over the place. The building was basically about to be shut down. And we did a big building project during lockdown. So what you see today is like the kind of resurrection version of the building. There was like a pre-resurrection version of the building, which is pretty like messed up. The whole building was falling apart. It was leaking everywhere, all that kind of stuff. And um, this prophetic word that Pete's going to share about was about last Monday night, but it was given in 2016. Now, I want to add one little detail because, um, well, I'll come back to this. At the time, I was in my 30s. Hold on to that, okay? I'm 45 now. At the time, I was in my 30s. That's an important detail. But last Monday night, Wale, who leads Imprint, Pete, who leads KXC, and myself, 
got up on the stage here with a bunch of you and we began to pray for revival in London together with our churches. And I'll let Pete pick up the story. I'm going to play you like a five-minute clip. And honestly, when I heard this, my kind of, I got goosebumps. I was like, I can't believe this is actually, this is how God works. Like five, six years ago, 2016, whatever it is, seven years ago, God had a plan for what we're living in right now. Have a little look at the screens and let me get Pete to tell the story. Asbury with Al Gordon, who leads St. Church in East London. And whilst we were there, he was like, we should try and unite our churches, maybe with one or two others, and gather people to pray, because it feels like the Lord loves unity, um, and we should do something like that. So Al from St. Church, Wale from Imprint Church, myself from KXC, decided we'd get together, we'd bring our three churches together for a night of prayer to see what God wanted to do. Things were really stirring at St. They've been stirring here. They've been stirring uh, imprints. We're like, let's just bring these three fires together and see what happens. So we gave people like literally two or three days notice, um, very last minute. Um, and then last um, Monday, we gathered together. You can see a bit of footage from that night. Um, between four or 500 people turned up to worship God, to invite the Spirit to move. It was an extraordinary evening. A totally extraordinary evening. At the end of the evening and the next day, some of our staff team and, and our worship team were like, Pete, like, we are going to do that again, aren't we? And the guys from Saint were like saying to Al, like, please, like, we are going to do that again, aren't we? And the guys from Imprint are saying to Wally, like, we are going to do that again, aren't we? We're going to do it again. Um, but there was this sense of like, wow, there is such power when tribes begin to come together in unity, um, unity around Jesus and unity in prayer for an outpouring of the Spirit. And something beautiful was happening. So since Monday, um, Wale, Al and myself have been chatting like, how do we steward this? Because this feels like a new wineskin might be emerging. So that happened. And then on Thursday, I got a, a text message from Emma Heddle, who's on our staff team. She used to work um, as a um, for B&I as our EA. And she basically said, look, when you and Wale and Al got up to pray this last Monday, you can see a picture of it um, on the screen now, I was reminded of an email you got sent like five years ago. Now, I get sent quite a lot of prophetic emails. I read them. I say yes in my spirit. I pray over them. And then honestly, I forget a lot of them. Um, but when you've got someone like Emma, who's got a better memory than, than I do, when she saw us pray, she's like, Ah, there was a word about this. So I want to read a prophetic vision I was given like five years ago, but maybe for such a time as this. So here's the dream. I had a dream a few nights ago that there's a group of about 15 to 20 people with Pete on top of a mountain surrounded by trees, more like a jungle setting than a forest. And at the top was a huge ancient church with great big stairs, sort of like St. Paul's Cathedral. It was vast and beautiful, cracked but mighty. And if you've been to St. Church, you'll know what a massive building that is, very much like the description. Pete was with two other pastors, both around his age. One was a young black man in his early 30s, and I can't remember the other man's look, but he was also a white man in his 30s, as if Al looks more like he's about 50. That's obviously a joke. Just, just for the live stream, that's a joke, Al. Uh, Al very much looks like in his early 30s. Um, they were all joking and enjoying their time and the group was around them hanging out. And then the three of them walked up to the stairs and kneeled down and started praying together for the church and the unity and revival of the UK. They were all coming together from different paths up the mountain, but all approaching the same stairs together. Here's the funny thing about that. I, I didn't know, I had totally forgotten of this vision. 
Um, but on Monday, what happened before the prayer meeting, there was a pre-service prayer meeting where we were in a room above the sanctuary. There's about 15 to 20 of us praying, like the description. It was fire in that room as we were praying for what the Lord wanted to do. At the end of that prayer meeting, our Wale and myself went up another staircase and just the three of us had a moment in prayer asking for the Spirit to be poured out. In other words, exactly like this description. It goes on. When I was praying about what it meant, I didn't get a lot, but felt to pass it on. I do feel like this church represented heaven or the church set on a hillside and felt like the three of you were crying out for breakthroughs and shift in the churches of England, but together. I'm not sure if Pete, you were meeting with any other church leaders to pray for this shift, but I feel like there is real power that would come in uniting the right leaders to pray and ask God for a shift in what's happening at the top. The Lord is placing the authority to shift what's happening at the top, but he wants to do it through a uniting spirit, if that makes sense, that the Lord sees you and is calling you to his higher ground, right? For me, that's pretty remarkable. It takes quite a significant level of cynicism to say, yeah, that's just coincidence. That is five years ago, someone saying, I see three of you kneeling down to pray together, inviting your congregations to worship and unite and pray for an outpouring of the Spirit. And, and reading it, it's like, well, that's exactly what happened. And something in my spirit, and, and I think we collectively feel this, is like, maybe this is a new wineskin. Um, so we don't know whether we're going to do this monthly as three churches, maybe other churches coming together. We've got the next one in the diary, which will be Good Friday. So the new rhythm for Easter will be Monday, Thursday, gig night, evangelistic night, incredible opportunity to bring your friends. Good Friday, hour by the cross, and then back at Saint, um, 7 p.m. for a few hours of prayer and worship and hanging out together in unity. I want to invite you to that, right? Honestly, spring rains are falling. And I mean this as a pastor, like when you see what the Spirit's doing, I don't want anyone to miss out. I don't want anyone to miss out. If the spring rains are falling, be in the room. Like be in the places where the Spirit is being poured out. And it, it just seems that God is attracted to unity and was present in a very special way. So we're in a season shift, winter turning to spring. We see spring rains falling, new wine being poured out. How do we transition in a moment like this? Be present, Okay. Like be in the room. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll take back over. Um, can we just encourage Pete? I mean, it's not live, but still good to encourage the guy. Um, Johnny, would you just come and share? You were at that meeting on Monday. Um, and while Johnny's coming up, the point of me sharing this is that we're meeting again on Friday. So Friday, 7 p.m., doors are going to open and we're going to gather KXC, the whole of Saint, all our locations coming together and um, Imprint Church for an evening of contending for revival. We're going to worship. We're gonna, there's no agenda. We're just going to make space. And um, doors like at seven. We're expecting a lot of people to come. It's good Friday. It's a bank holiday. So like you can come. If you're like part of the prayer ministry team or you're passionate about intercessory prayer, come at five o'clock over in church house. We're gathering a bunch of prophets and intercessors to begin to pray in advance for that. Um, but um, I'm really expectant for not just Friday, but what God is beginning to do through the church. And Johnny, I wonder if you might just share a little bit of what you experienced when you were here on Monday last week? Yeah, so um, I came to the service um, with actually an injured leg. So my knee, uh, a few months back, got, you know, I was running because I was late for a birthday party, uh, ran in boots, cobblestone, not a good idea. Um, yeah, and actually just to speak specifically on this, I know, you know, basically I did a degree in biomechanics and um, what I knew is that I actually tore a little bit of a tendon on my kneecap or my patella. Um, so I knew that, you know, a 
tendon takes months and months and months to heal. You actually have to heal it through activity to get blood back through it. But um, yeah, so we, I came not really expecting anything. I just came to, to the service, and it was an amazing service. God had already met with me. You know, I was, I was feeling really happy. And then I got this word to, you know, go to Temi, who's a good friend of mine in the church, uh, and ask for healing for my knee. And it was really crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, just, it wasn't, it was a physical healing. So my, my knee did get healed, but it was also, I had an analogy alongside my walk with Christ. So it was more of a spiritual healing and kind of stepping into more confidence into my walk with Christ, but then also ending up with a physical healing as well. So. so good. So just for like the cynic in me, like tell me, so like you, you got, like Monday night you got prayed for it, like seemed to get better. Yeah. Like in the, the, the 10 days since Monday night, like yeah. how's your knee? Yeah, no, it's, no, it's miraculous. Like I think in my mind, I was like going into, into Monday or into Tuesday thinking like, okay, I'm going to keep believing that it's healed. Like, I'm not faking it. Da, da, da. Um, yeah, but me, me and my wife went on a 5K run recently. I went to a birthday party last night, danced till like 3.30 a.m. in the morning. It was, yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. Um, especially because I just know how long these sort of injuries take to heal. Like, in a, in a night, it, it goes like that. So, Johnny, what do you think God is up to? Good question. I think... I think the biggest thing is, is that he's calling us to repent, but on the other side of that, repentance is restoration. Whether that's physical or spiritual in our hearts, you know, we're seeing so many, like even, you know, with me and Penny, like we've just seen such a renewal in our marriage, uh, a renewal in kind of for our connect group and, and for our good friends around us. It's been, you know, an amazing time just to kind of be set on fire again. So... Great. Can we just encourage Johnny? Okay. Why don't we stand? Let's just take a moment to just be still. And um, I, I wonder if you're here tonight and you need to press the reset button with God. That's what repentance literally means. It means it's like the hard reboot, your, your, the iPhone of your life. Hold down the button. Just say, I'm sorry. And that's not just a one-off event. It's an ongoing thing. Maybe there's people tonight, you need to just get it right with God. And maybe there are others tonight, and, and you know that God is beginning to renew you, and you sense even tonight the Spirit of God is at work in you. And we would just love to, um, to like affirm that and pray for that. Uh, you know, God will um, be stirring something in you in order that he can do more through you than you thought you could do on your own. So if, if you're here tonight and like God is beginning to renew you, um, we would just love to pray with you. John Wesley was once asked, you know, what is the secret to your ministry? And he said this, it's real simple. Every morning I get up and I set myself on fire for Jesus. And then I go out into the world and the world watches me burn. Or maybe you're like that tonight. You would love to be set on fire by Jesus. In that case, let the Holy Spirit come and do that. Maybe there's a hunger in for you for what I'm talking about. You're done with religion. You want the real thing. You want more of the power of God in your life. You want the presence of God to wreck you so that you might make a difference in your work or in your future. 
Uh, maybe you're here and you're like, I want to be free from going round and round the patterns of addictions or, or the traps my soul gets into. In that case, come to the front, get someone to pray with you and um, get it off your chest. Maybe you're carrying unforgiveness. Like, honestly, do not walk out of here without having laid it down at the feet of God. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you know that you need to contend for your friends in prayer. Maybe you've got a family member who is sick or somebody you really care about. You're like, Lord, I need you to break through in this situation. We really believe in the power of prayer. We really believe that when we come and we kneel before God, he is able to hear us. And we want to stand with you and pray with you. So what I'm going to ask that you do is if, if any of those things apply to you, or you're here tonight and you just want more of Jesus, you want more of Jesus in your life, you're done with running on empty. You've had a bad pandemic. You are tired and you need to come again and return to the Lord tonight and let him fill you. Let me tell you, your longing for him is dwarfed by his jealousy for your life. He has a furious longing for you tonight. Don't leave tonight without having come and sat at his feet and said, Lord, would you fill me? And so I'm going to invite you, if anything I've said makes any sense to you tonight, to do a really brave thing, which is push through the row and you might be the only person who comes forward. Like push everyone out of the way. You're in church. They've got to forgive you. I've talked about unforgiveness. They've got to do it. But push away and we're going to invite you to the front and we're going to pray for you with everything we've got just because we know God wants to meet with you. Does that sound all right? So if, if any of that makes sense, would you come right now? Just push your way to the front. Come right now. Just come. That's it. Just that's loads of space at the front. That's it. Keep coming. Could we have someone could come and pray as well? Is that all right? I want to call some of the guys here tonight. Guys, God needs the kind of, it's going to sound really cheesy. God needs the fight in you. And I wonder for some of the guys here tonight, you're called to stop sitting on the sofa of your faith and start kneeling and pounding the floor in intercessory prayer. Like God is calling you to become intercessors for the kingdom. The kingdom of God is advanced, Jesus says, forcefully. And that's not a violent word. It's a word of persuasive passion. And I wonder if there are one or two guys here tonight and that might be you. In which case, would you come forward as well? We're going to pray for you. Don't leave tonight without having responded. And also, I wonder if we might pray for healing. Where's Johnny gone? Where are you, Johnny? Where is he? He's gone to the bathroom. <laughs> when he comes out of the bathroom, we'll surprise him. I would love anybody here tonight who'd like prayer for healing. Would you come down the middle here? We've got some space. Um, would you come? If you've got anything wrong with you medically that you'd like God to heal, Johnny's going to pray for you because although he's in the bathroom, I know he's got faith for healing. He's seen God do it in his life. So if that's you, would you come into the middle here? And we're going to pray for you. Just come right now. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.